Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License Flight Number 13 with service to the Pacific Princess, aka the Love Boat. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that in the seat pocket in front of you, you can find the latest issue of Kitten Magazine featuring a centerfold of your partner. Yes, you, the person listening to this podcast while doing work. We are all checking out your partner. If you aren't sure how you feel about that, you can ask the doctor on board, who may also be a bit of a pervert. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? Oh, I'm great. You know it's going to be a good episode when Jeff says the name of the show at the cold open. <laughs> Rich, how about you? Podcast. <laughs> Soon you'll be listening to Jeff and Max. <laughs> well... For those who are unaware, gentlemen, today we are going to be hitting the high seas and boarding the Pacific Princess, otherwise known as the Love Boat. Um, But while we are experts when it comes to the airwaves and the bright skies of the TV world, when it comes to the deep blue sea, I think we're going to need a captain to help us navigate the way. So I would like to introduce our guest pilot, or better yet, our guest captain, Our guest today is a comedian, musician, and real-life former cruise ship employee. He's the host of the podcast All Basis Are Cool and the co-host of The Bachelor Zone. Please welcome Zach Pike. Ahoy, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, Captain Pike. Oh, my goodness. Captain's hat. Or even more of a reason to watch the YouTube. Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm the captain now, and uh, it's great to talk about The Love Boat, a show that is near and dear to my heart and many other people who are seafarers. Well, Zach, you brought The Love Boat to us. Can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit more about the connection of the show and... You know, it makes sense based off of your previous career, but I'd love to hear, is there something else about the show that connects with you? The thing that really hit me, I haven't watched a ton of The Love Boat, um, but I've seen the pilot a few times now. So when Max told me about your guys, this podcast, and I listened to it, I was like, oh, this I know a perfect pilot for this show. And it's the Love Boat pilot, because in my opinion, it's one of the best pilots that have ever been made for television. Like, it just, it really punches above its weight, especially when you know what happens afterwards for the next 10 years throughout the 70s and 80s. <laughs> um, but another thing, too, is as someone who worked on cruise ships for many years, uh, it's a very common thing. I think most people who worked, especially in the entertainment department on cruise ships, probably have a folder on their MacBooks that say like scripts and then a bunch of just dead final draft documents that are essentially a pilot of a cruise ship show that they wanted to write about being on cruise ships. <laughs> and uh, most of them have watched this pilot as some kind of inspiration because this is really the only show that's done it. That's the only that's done it successfully. Other people have tried to do cruise ship content. And uh, I think after Speed 2 Cruise Control, I think everyone's just terrified of it and they don't really want to do it out of a reality Well, yeah, context. it couldn't slow down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. It was a mess. Yeah. No, I, I believe that this uh, this genre still has potential moving forward. Uh, mm-hmm. But Zach, for our audience, you might just go a little bit to like your background, what all you've done on cruises in the past. Yeah. So I was uh, to to put it in love boat terms. Julie was my boss. I worked in the entertainment department. Um, I was a bandmaster, music director. So I ran the bands on board, and then depending on the cruise line, I would also like run the music department basically like just making sure the band showed up to their gigs on time make sure the charts are all in order you know the 
playlists are good, not crossing over each other, all that kind of stuff. And then also just jamming out on the bass and the piano and different instruments and uh, playing Margaritaville mostly and uh, Sweet Caroline <laughs> for a lot in, of uh, retired people. In the people spirit of the Love Boat's history of celebrity guests, do you have an all-time celebrity guest from any of the boats you've worked on? Absolutely. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with um, Joey Fatone. So I worked on a, a, a number of things that... <laughs> cruise lines will do is they'll charter the ship out for like special cruises right so there's like a kid rock cruise there's a weezer cruise there's a there's a malt shop memory 50s 60s charter so i've experienced a lot of those so in terms of just like name dropping i could go all day but there's a lot of um like mingling with people because when you're on a ship you're stuck there so if you're like a celebrity who's come on one of these charters it's kind of one of the reasons it's cool to take those kinds of cruises because you get to just like hang out with the Weezer because they literally can't go anywhere. Um, so I got to, <laughs> so, yeah, held on a Weezer captive. Yeah, basically. I mean, everyone's held captive on a ship, right? Because you you can't <laughs> leave. But um, I met yeah Joey Fatone was an uh, was one that was he was just like such a crazy cool hang that I was like man it's insane how cool Joey Fatone is so that sticks in my brain a lot and then we became like genuine buds. Um, there's a drummer named Bernard Purdy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. He created like the Purdy Shuffle and played in Steely Dan for a long time. Um, That's he's amazing. like one of the, yeah, he's like one of the most recorded drummers in history, but he since more or less kind of soft retired. He still plays occasionally. He does like reunion tours with Steely Dan and that, but he, what he does for fun is go on cruises with his wife, who's this sweet British lady. And he just goes up to the band and like, Hey guys, it's me. Like, it, like not in like a presumptuous <laughs> way, but just like usually the drummer. You know who, shuffle your plans. Yeah, like usually the drummer will know. Like, oh shit, that's Bernard Purdy. But he'll come up and like with knowing who how we feel about him, he'll be like, "What's up, guys? Sounding good? How's it going?" Yeah. I'm just hey, picturing this see? guy with yeah. three plates of food from the buffet being like, mm -hmm. "Mad if I sit in." <laughs> literally, literally, Max, that's the vibe. <laughs> like he's in a suit, he's got a cane, he's like, "You mind if I sit in?" And he does. Like he sat in on our Motown night. And he literally, he looked at the set list. I was the band leader at the time. And he looked at the set list. He goes, oh, yeah, I know some of these tunes. And I, like, thought about it. Because I was like, oh, are, are these cool? And I realized, like, oh, he's recorded, like, 40 of, like, like 40% <laughs> of our set list. And oh he sat in. And uh, it was, like, one of my, I just had, like, a shit-eating grin the whole time. Because he's a sweetheart. And the fact that he just does that year-round is, uh, yeah, he's a sweet pie. That's so, yeah, awesome. it's, a, it's a big part of it is just celebrity guest appearances, yeah. What great guests. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, Zach, once again, thank you so much. We're really going to need your expertise when talking yeah. about the love boat for, yeah. but for those who may be joining us for the first time or joining to listen to Zach, talk about the love boat, Max, do you mind giving our, uh, listeners a little bit more about what this podcast is all about. Absolutely. Uh, so if this is your first flight slash cruise with us here at TV pilots license, we're a podcast that breaks down the pilot episodes of some of television's most famous or infamous episodes. Uh, we figure out how these shows got greenlit, what we like about them, if they can be made today, and if they're effective in making us wanting to watch more. We've got a whole catalog now wherever you find your podcasts, so give us a listen, subscribe, uh, and welcome aboard. And Rich, I expect that you have an amazing question for us, like every week. What's your question yeah. of the week? Uh, well, I was pretty inspired watching this pilot episode, and I wanted to ask something that was a little pressing on my mind uh, while watching. Uh, how do boats work? Yeah. <laughs> now, now, are you asking from a physics perspective <laughs> or just like why people would choose to go on a boat to places? Yeah, or Yeah. Like, how, how, how does it not how does it not sink? How, how do they do that? Uh, this, so, this is not my actual question. Sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. uh, my real question is, uh, how 
of 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 the cruises that you all have been on obviously zach has been on significantly more but uh what is the craziest and most fun amenity that you've seen on a cruise ship and uh that you've experienced yourself or read about so i'll go first i've only been on one cruise on in my entire life and it was um i don't remember the exact year but i know that uh tracy mcgrady had a line with adidas because i had a jersey um and there's a photo of me with said jersey um <laughs> i won't tell you where that photo is but i just i can't it boggles my mind because with children on cruises, you have to figure out something for them to do so that the adults can just drink the entire time and not have to worry about the children. And I think one of the worst ways of doing that is just giving kids unlimited access to sweets and like oh, a frozen a yogurt machine. That's batshit to me. <laughs> like you're literally just telling a kid, go and get buzzed up on sugar and then annoy your parents even more and then on top of that we're gonna put you in a room with no windows so like <laughs> you're gonna go slightly insane over this trip that's five steps lower than ipad parents yeah <laughs> oh man having the lanyard with the little sticker for unlimited soda is the amex black card of being a nine-year-old <laughs> <on a> cruise ship <laughs> zach what about you it causes chaos there's a bunch of things that come to mind uh the newest one is so a company called Norwegian Cruise Lines just built a cruise ship specifically for China right before the pandemic uh, for the Chinese market. And they blinged it out really hard. And one of the big things they did that was like trend setting. Uh, it's been kind of an arms race to do the wildest, biggest ship and craziest shit on there. So they built a go-kart track. So it was like oh a full God. go-kart track on the top <laughs> of the ship. That was my answer too. Yeah, yeah, which is <laughs> truly bananas. Sorry, Rich, for taking it. Also, Rich, uh, if the amount of weight going down on the water displaces the amount of water coming back up, that's how a ship floats. Hold on, I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah, no, that one's big. Uh, the line I just worked for has a tattoo parlor on board, which is kind of wackadoodle and like silly uh, for silly's sake. Why um, would you get a tattoo on a surface that is rocking constantly? Why would you do of, that? That's the bit. That's the oh, bit, right? I'll it's take like, that challenge. Yeah, that's exactly like, where I'm going to get my cool. first tattoo. Yeah, people are like this sounds cool. You know, it's a vibe. It's I a lot of the vibes. Go kart track because it's kind of an affront to God that you <laughs> uh, went out into water to drive on land. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I think the whole industry is kind of an affront to God. You're you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, so my answer is much lower stakes and involves much more petty theft. But <laughs> I went on a cruise with my family when I was a kid, and my dad was super stoked that they had a Johnny Rockets on board. Uh, you know, know the simple like. things that we get amused by. And he decided that he wanted a bunch of the branded plates that said Johnny Rockets on them. So <laughs> he, at night when they had closed, he wedged the automatic door because I was a small, lanky child. He had me scamper on in there, grab a couple of the branded Johnny Rockets plates and scamper on out of there. <laughs> He had you commit the crimes. So yeah, I, was... I could fit through the gap in the door. Oh, Max, Max could do the time then. Uh, yeah. Max is Rich... an accessory to piracy. Just to just to clarify what just happened that we found out there, you're actually a pirate. Congratulations, congrats, Max. Um, well, Rich, thank you for that amazing question. That I truly two was part. not a two part. Yeah, I know. Yeah. We learned so many things. We learned that Max is a pirate and how boats float. Um, 
now, let's dive in. I, I don't think we need to do an episode. I think we're good. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're all set. The um, boat. <laughs> <laughs> Soon you'll be learning how all them work. Oh, my God. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the love boat, and we'll start off with a synopsis. Uh, the romantic and comic tales of the passengers and the crew of the cruise ship Pacific Princess. That's it. Yep. Talk nothing about <laughs> drama. Uh, it just seems like there's two storylines instead of maybe three. But Max, can you tell us a little bit more about how this show got made? Oh boy, I hope you guys like talking about the 1970s TV studio system because that's pretty much all this is going to be. <laughs> oh, it's only three networks, so uh, I guess you might make an appearance. Oh my god, no. <laughs> guys. <laughs> So before there was a TV show, there was everyone's favorite media, a book. Uh, and that book, was <laughs> that book was called The Love Boats, written by Geraldine Saunders. Uh, Saunders was actually the first female cruise director. Uh, and she did work for Princess Cruises in the 1970s. She's going to be the inspiration for one of our leads, Julie McCoy. And basically, uh, Wilfred Lloyd Baum's who is an executive at ABC, he wants to turn this book into a TV show. Uh, Bombs at the time was one of the driving forces behind ABC's Wonder Woman. And this is a thing that you don't really see anymore. But back in the 70s, if you wanted to make a TV show, you would first do a made-for-TV movie to see if there was an audience for it. Uh, so you know the running joke of like six seasons in a movie from Community... In the 1970s, you did six movies at a season. Uh, so they decide to do a made-for-TV movie at ABC in 1976. And it doesn't go great, but they're going to try another one because they're really keen on this idea. So two other people are now going to come on board who are bigger names than Wilfred Lloyd Bombs. That's going to be Douglas Kramer and Aaron Spelling. Holy uh, shit. So Kramer uh, was a... Vice President of Production at Paramount Studios. He then leaves Paramount to form his own company, the Douglas Kramer Company, which then becomes a part of Aaron Spelling's conglomerate. Uh, Kramer is best known for helping create shows like Star Trek, The Brady Bunch, The Odd Couple, and Mission Impossible. And his company at uh, his own company, Douglas Kramer, is the one who ends up doing Wonder Woman as well. That's how he kind of gets brought into the fold here. Uh, Aaron Spelling, obviously mega producer one of the kings of tv of all time at this point he'd already been two plus decades in the game with companies like uh thomas spelling productions and then in 1969 he signs a deal with abc to just produce exclusively for them and creates the banner spelling goldberg with leonard goldberg who's the head of abc so basically aaron spelling and the top dude at abc uh not mickey mouse are just producing shows together. Uh, a couple years into their partnership, this network's actually going to be jokingly called Aaron's Broadcasting Company because that's how much stuff he's doing for them. Damn. Wow. Uh, to give you an idea, Spelling is going to be doing uh, Family, SWAT, Starsky and Hutch, Charlie's Angels, and Fantasy Island all before Love Boat even premieres. After that, he's going to do Heart to Heart, TJ Hooker, Dynasty, Beverly Hills, 90210, Melrose Place, Seventh Heaven, and Charmed, amongst others. Uh, so after the first movie, when Kramer and Spelling come on board, it's an entirely new cast. Some of the people who you see in this pilot 
are in that pilot as different roles. They are literally just throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks here. <laughs> Over the course of these three TV movies, you're going to see three different casts, three different captains, people playing different roles. Uh, they are available if you want to go watch them. We are not talking about them for the purpose of this show, but they're out there if you have a combined like six hours to get Love Boat prequel fills in. After the third movie and all that Spelling started to do at ABC, they decide to just trust him and they greenlight it. And they greenlight in a big way because they construct what at the time is the most expensive set in TV history. They build a f basically full-size cruise ship replica over two sound stages <laughs> on the 20th Century Fox lot. No. So Worth every penny. <laughs> when they shot the movies, they did shoot them on cruises uh, going from Mexico to Alaska and back. For TV purposes, you can't do that. There's some B-roll footage of boats. Everything else is on the 20th Century Fox lot. This two soundstage boat in 1977 cost them a little over a million dollars to do, which in today's terms would be a $5 million set construction for the pilot of a TV show, <laughs> which is bonkers money. Maybe they had a hit on their hands. You'd love to see They it. didn't know, but uh, apparently when you are at Aaron's Broadcasting Company, you get to do that. And that takes us to The Captain and the Lady, Centerfold, and What If by Land on September 24th, 1977. Yeah, cool. and we can just sort of dive in. And because of the unique way that this show was done, um, this show was famously three different directors for each, one for each storyline, three different writers' rooms for each storyline to be able to focus on the guests that they had. Today... We're going to just focus on each of the stories one by one rather than trying to mishmash everything together because that would be a little bit chaotic. Um, and though, though we are all agents of chaos, I think our audience would be better off if we just focus on one at a time. Yeah, uh, none of these storylines actually seem to intersect at any point in the show. You, like you can tell like uh, the characters kind of don't even bump into each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think Julie McCoy playing a role in both uh, like the Captain's storyline as mm -hmm. well as uh, the Centerfold storyline is really the only person with overlap and maybe Isaac the bartender playing into... Uh, one if by land and like one, if, one if by and two yeah. if by sea and then the Captain and the Lady. Um, yeah, it's, it's... So let's just jump right in, right? Like... We'll start off with the captain and the lady, which was really our almost our cold open into the show. And they used it as like the introduction to each of these storylines, right? Of everybody getting on the boat. Um, and I'm just going to start by saying if the captain, I guess this is a great question, Zach. How often mm -hmm. is the captain aware of a single passenger and who is going to be on the boat? Because he was hyper focused on this one in particular couple that was going on the boat and prepping his crew for their arrival in this instance. If they're shoreside, if they're shoreside, very aware. If they are a corporate, if they're like relatives of corporate or like third cousins of corporate office people, they're very, very aware of it. And they will probably be on the gangway. The thing I noticed the, mo the most right when I started watching this, I was like, oh, they actually, even though there's tons of... Well, I'll probably be here to fact check a lot of this stuff in terms of like what is really like what is really like cruising and all that. The vibe and the energy of Embark Day, they nailed. Like that first like three minutes of the show, 
of like, oh, here we go. Here come the here come the natives or whatever they said. Like, like here come the Indians. <laughs> like that is kind of the vibe you get because you kick everyone off from the last cruise. You have about an hour and a half to clean the ship, and then you just sit there on the gangway and you're like, all right, let them on. We're ready. Wait, you only have an, an hour, hour and a half? half? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Those hey, rooms are gross. <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Cruise ships are chaotic. <laughs> The whole industry <laughs> barely functions. It's like we're hanging on by our teeth, and they have been since the 70s. Uh, yeah, Holy so cow. basically that vibe of, like, someone important here. The only thing that would be different is you would see more of everybody. Like, it's in the craziest, most glaring thing about this show in terms of actually whether it portrays what cruising's like is that there's five crew members <laughs> that are really shown. Like, there's so <laughs> yeah. many more people involved, obviously. Usually about half the capacity of the ship is crew members. Um, and on the gangway, usually what you have different companies do it different but they'll have like a lineup of everybody they'll have like the captain the hotel manager a bunch of entertainment people if there's like costumes entertainers where they'll dress up there'll be like a dj playing nowadays and like come on everybody like they want that first moment to walk on the ship to be like a magical one so yeah to answer your question in a long-winded fashion the captain would probably be on the gangway and would be aware of that one if that if she was coming on interesting that's wild to me but like one of the things that i enjoyed about this storyline at the start was there's one of the things that impresses me about this show is just super quick jokes all the time we are getting as many as we can because like every scene is only 30 seconds long Mm -hmm. like i i'm not Mm -hmm. trying to be hyperbolic but literally like we are not in one place more than 30 seconds this is an add person's dream and i thank the directors (laughs) for this show yeah everything feels so vignette heavy which is just wild compared to modern tv yeah. yeah, yeah, like, and we meet, so we have Captain Stubbing, played by Gavin McLeod, um, and we sort of get to see this very, like, the interaction, he doesn't really want to interact with this person that he's called out his crew to understand, and instantly, uh, the this woman, this um, guest of the cruise, uh, Stacy Skogstad, is rude. Let's just put it as it is. She is not very kind to anyone. Uh, One person, she says, uh, one of the characters, uh, Gopher, she says he needs a haircut. And then she references Shirley Temple. Uh, The Shirley Temple, the official drink of having the unlimited soda pass on a cruise ship. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Truly. Remember, Uh, that was like the first like little inklings that I was an alcoholic is like how many Shirley Temples I drank when I was like (laughs) six years old on on vacation. As we move on through the storyline, though, we can definitely tell there's something up with Stacey Skogstad. She is sitting at the captain's table. The captain does not even want to interact with her at any point in time. Like prior to us, the reveal happening, what did you think was up in this situation like as a whole? I I thought from the get-go, there was some sort of uh, torrid love affair gone wrong between these two. The fact that she's insisting on sitting at the captain's table, but doesn't want our boy Meryl hanging out there. Uh, Just the way that she acts like she runs the place, it feels like a lover scorned trying to exact revenge. Yeah, I clocked it as soon as she did the faux pas of not inviting the captain to the captain's table. <laughs> you can't do that. Stacy though, has the, the burn of all time, though, early on in this, when she looks at Meryl and says that, uh, but she hates a sweaty forehead on a bald man. I mean, if, if, <laughs> oh if anybody says savage. that to me in my life, you will never hear from me again. <laughs> no, it was tough. That was a but rough one. It, it was super interesting. Like, during this entire storyline, this was the one that I felt like, had the least meat to it or like it like yes the 
crew was being brought down. They felt like they couldn't get into like doing their job as a whole. Maybe they should quit. Maybe they should do something else. Um, but like as a whole, I wasn't as attached to the storyline until the captain really confronted his ex-wife in this monologue that was what an exchange. I don't think we could have this exchange in 2022. And you don't I think so? Oh yeah, you know, just a man in power telling someone to shut up and go to their room. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I don't think that could happen as easily <laughs> and not be uh, looked down upon. But like, what did you, as this developed, as the captain like really grew into being like, I need to take charge of this ship. This woman is taking it over from me. Like, what were your thoughts as a whole? When he gave the speech and said like, you're not letting my crew do this. And you know what? God damn it. I have the best crew at sea. <laughs> I teared up. <laughs> I actually teared <laughs> up today when I was watching it because I was like, oh, dude, that hits so-. like, man, Captain, like Captain gives, he gives such a damn. Like he cares so much <laughs> about every single person on board. His life is on the line all the time for all these people. Like he'll be the last one to get off the boat when it's sinking. Like he truly is a great captain. And this story sets all that up by the end of it. And then the other stories that are happening, like by the time we get to that point, you know that the rest of the crew is the best crew at the fleet because they're going above and beyond for everyone on board. Yeah, this is definitely an oh, captain, my captain moment. Yeah, it's truly beautiful. This arc feels like the only one that's a true pilot episode in a way, because it's Mm -hmm. the only one where I think we get sort of like an overarching story that follows one character who we're going to see time and time again. And with with Captain Steubing, something that I see is interesting is like the, the episode opens with him taking a dig at gopher's looks you know time to get a haircut very like you know cut your hair hippie and then at the end of it where they reveal the entire crew has been hiding behind a curtain listening to him talk to his ex-wife another extremely uh, 70s joke he gives the same joke to gopher again and then cracks the big smile and that's like a very bookend moment to me where it's like you see that he loves his crew he cares about them you're seeing the change in stooping himself so, yeah, yeah, this is very effective. But kind of like what Zach said, you need to see everyone's reactions to Steubing to get to this moment effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let, let's get back to Zach. I think you put it very nicely as this is the show is a symphony. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that led up to this moment where we can appreciate the captain as a whole. So mm-hmm. our, our two other storylines in this instance are named the centerfold and one if by land and two if by sea. Um, the centerfold we really only get introduced after everyone has boarded the ship. But the one if by land, two if by sea, I am very concerned in a post 9-11 world of how easily um, Jimmy Walker, who is in this pilot, um, he is pl- his character is Ronald Baker, just gets onto the boat trying to chase after his lover who has basically left him because he won't proposed zach please tell me it's not this easy to get onto a boat (laughs) it's extremely difficult nowadays yeah i was like looking at it but i was like reminiscing of like um it felt to me like oh remember when plane seats were wide you could smoke on them like i had that feeling of like back in the day it was like that i've heard stories from the old timers that like you could literally like stow away like you could just hop on board every day you could have visitors like that how they they actually bring it up like oh visitors have to be off by a certain time before you sail but like you could just hang out if you were in port you could come on the ship and have lunch like i did it nowadays i have like a some family that lives down in melbourne australia and when we went into port i had to do like three days of paperwork 
for them to get on board for like the six hours for us to have lunch and like show them the ship. Like it's like a very, you know, rigorous process. It's like going through TSA all the time now. But it, back it in the feels day, reminiscent man, Walker could to hop right down in Mexico and hop on the ship in every port. It feels reminiscent to the TSA thing of like how you used to be able to like go through security, mm-hmm. like hang by the gate. Yeah. If you didn't have a ticket, like you could like get someone all the way to the plane. You could just eat at a cafe yeah. in an airport if you wanted to. You didn't have to show your ID ever to get on or anything. Yeah, it was wild times. Yeah, this yeah. the introduction to this storyline was just very interesting. Like one, I believe they filmed or it's supposed to take place at the port of L.A. Um, yeah, San Pedro. Was, yeah. And it's just so interesting seeing this exterminator truck drive up, illegally park, man runs like a lunatic after this woman just screaming her name and saying he loves her, and somehow makes it on board, and no one blinks an eye whatsoever. Well, not only screaming her name, but screaming, don't let her on the boat, she's got a bomb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No one even, like, at guest services, no one bats an eye. Like, no one even clocks their head up. Julie, especially, like, no one even looks. To speak to the port of San Pedro, it's the same in terms of parking. Like, you can just drive right the fuck up and go right up to the gate. You just can't get on the boat as easily anymore. But, yeah, the San Pedro is still a mess. It really was like uh, a time where a lot of hostage taking was taking place. Yeah. Uh, the 60s and 70s, there was just a lot of it. I guess bombs were just like, they were like scary, but no one seemed to like really care all that much. There wasn't like this culture of fear that we have today. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, <laughs> yeah, everyone's too afraid. <laughs> yeah, And they should let me bring my buck knife on board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All these snowflakes afraid of their bombs and planes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> goes and has a cabin mate which i didn't know was really a thing like that you could just have a random roommate for your time on the boat which um and random roommate in this case was played by by suzanne summers um of three's company for first season and it's just wild like they're like oh yeah we're gonna be roommates and suzanne summers character is like Oh, yeah. Like, let's talk about if I have someone in our uh, Jimmy Walker's character runs in, starts making out with Ginny, um, who seems very accepting of the makeout, but also the signals that she was giving. I'm just going to say were confusing. She seemed very happy to see Brandon or to see Ronald all the time. But also very upset at him at the same time. Mm -hmm. I can get why Ronald is chasing her all over the place in this instance because i don't think he's gotten a straight answer from her either a lot of mixed signals a lot yeah, of mixed signals that's a that's a thing that goes through i think the entire 10 years of this show like the 10 seasons is is like that like will they won't they energy of a lot of like romance at the time and like the way that like gender politics worked back then where it was just kind of like oh like come on baby like it's cold outside or whatever the fuck like that kind of energy yeah. is is throughout the entire show and this episode's actually they're fairly like tame about it even though he is truly just chasing around and like, you know, trying to lay smooches yeah. on her constantly, Pepe Le Pew. But the, I think the thing that they sort of set up is that they had like a tiff, you know, it wasn't like a through true throw down fight and she's just trying to get some space, but he's like, I want to, you know, but, but then you realize like, Oh, he's afraid of, he hasn't shown enough commitment to her. And he's like, like kind of keeps her at arm's reach. And they have like separate bank accounts, which was like not normal, I guess at the time. Yeah. And then, and then the fact that he's chasing her, she actually, I think she wants him to do that. Like at the end, you realize like, oh, this was like him trying. She wanted him to prove his love to her. If he had just stayed in, you know, San Pedro, she would have been like, oh, no. If he hadn't have like drone to Ensenada immediately after 
for four hours, um, then she would be like, oh, then I guess I'm right. This guy is a schmutz. Well, yeah, we should say that he doesn't just stay in San Pedro. He follows his boat yeah. every single port of call. He's Which, using a ton of resources to yeah. follow Ginny. Like, he rents a boat to try to meet the boat. Which yeah. also so this, super concerning. I got to speak to this timeline real quick because I've done this cruise for years, like num- a number of summers, a number of winters. I've taken this exact run from, you know, L.A., San Pedro down to Puerto Vallarta and back or San Diego down to Puerto Vallarta. Usually what you do is you go all the way down to Puerto Vallarta first, which is like a, f- <laughs> a, a day and a half sail, like, you know, roughly. But to like drive from L.A. to Puerto Vallarta would be like an insane odyssey, especially in the 70s, like because the roads and whatnot. It would have taken Jimmy Walker like almost the same amount of time, like two or three days to drive down there. <laughs> and then they go up to Cabo San Lucas, back to Ensenada, and then uh, to L.A. or San Diego. But uh, when you see the like the uh, establishing shots of each of these ports, like the first one where she goes off with Suzanne Summers and she buys a bunch of bracelets, and they say, oh, Port of Arda's got the best bags, that is Ensenada. Like the, the, the port we're looking at is Ensenada. And then the next one, they actually did go to Cabo San Lucas. And then they go back to Ensenada. But, so it's Ensenada as Puerto Vallarta, which uh, supposedly Jimmy goes all the way down to, then Cabo, then um, Ensenada. And driving that distance, I mean, we can look it up on Google Maps right now, but it's like truly an odyssey. It's like days and days of him. He would have to not sleep. He would have to not sleep, drive the entire time, get on the boat, go through all the shenanigans, go up across the Sea of Cortez, drive down to Cabo, all the way down to Baja, and another day or two of travel. And so, Zach, again. I, I just challenge your assumption of how long it would take him, because did you see how kick-ass his extermination van was? <laughs> this is a good That point. cockroach <laughs> has so much aerodynamics on it, you can't yeah. even challenge that thing. That's true. That thing is, it looks like it's, you know, got off-road capabilities as well. That yeah. thing was built for speed. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, do they give... Jimmy Walker, just some broad seventies one liners here. Did you see his, his shirt? Like just it's oh, that was so everything good. about his shirt this was born born killer or something. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, born killer yeah. with an insect on it. Like I want that shirt. That's a great shirt. <laughs> Truly awesome character. And he, this was at a time that he was like pretty big, right? Did he get a show before or after this? I think he, so. This would be in the middle of Good Times Run. Uh, okay. So he would be if not like Emmy and Golden Globe nominated for his role as JJ already, like really getting into the bulk of that show's fame. He's a massive name at this time. And they basically just let him play JJ on here. Uh, I'm a really big fan of when he's driven the van down to Mexico and he's like, he's winning Ginny back over. Uh, He thinks they're going to leave together. And she's like, great. I can't tell the story to our future children about how romantic their daddy was. And he has, Four words that he breaks into three sentences. <laughs> and it's it's children, daddy, check please. <laughs> I love that it's check please also. Like they're not even in a yeah. restaurant. That's they really they really threw that one around. That was uh that was not even close to actually like trying to establish some context in that joke, which I absolutely love so much. Imagine being yeah. one of the other two writers' rooms reading check please, You're like, what the fuck did you guys come up with? <laughs> How much- oh crap! They use check please first, so we got to get oh, rid of it. We scrap oh. it. How much Mother- communicate? You said they don't really communicate that much, but there has to be someone. I guess it's the whoever, like the main. It might be an EP thing to put all the stories. in the Oh right yeah, a hundred percent. What then- a puzzle to be able be to be some, like, oh yeah. yeah, these are the three things that are happening. Like one of the interesting things, though, like with this storyline, one if by land, two if by sea. There's only really one crewmate 
that interacts with any of them. And that is the bartender, Isaac Washington. Isaac. Isaac is the man. Let's talk Isaac. about that. If we're talking, if uh, you're keeping a list of people who I think are the man, it's Darren from Glee and Isaac. <laughs> uh, Isaac we is. We have two men. We have two men. I'm looking for the first woman to join. I am equal opportunity <laughs> for the boys here. Uh, as far as Isaac goes, though, like as far as how we're introduced, there's a scene where um, really Lorraine and Ginny are like, hey, forget about Jimmy. Or, excuse me, forget about Ronald. Ronald is not going to marry you. Let's go out, enjoy single life as a whole. And we get, like, sort of this really, it's this, like, swingers vibe without it being swingers. Where, like, Lorraine gets the entire bottle of Jack Daniels because she says she's going to need a second drink. Which, like, what a line. I actually, I got a really great smile out of that. But, like, we then see Ginny is the life of the party. As the whole, like, I think they congaed at one point in time. Yeah. 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 No. They conga line out of the bar, and there is the sleekest choreographed double turn of the bar stools from Ginny and Lorraine that is, oh, oh, man, you you can't, you, you can't write that shit. That, that's perfect choreo. <laughs> you can't write that shit. <laughs> you can, and three people did. Yeah. <laughs> An entire room of, of white dudes in the 70s did, yeah. I, I, I took a little qualms with this scene just before we passed by it. So the band, the guys playing in the lounge right there, that's what I did for years and years. And they have the song playing, no bass player on stage. Oh, you guys, the listeners at home can't hear anyone on was YouTube. There, I got, keys? there was some keys, and there was a fella looking like he was playing possibly a marimba for looks. <laughs> like I don't <laughs> think there was any marimba in the song, but they had a fella on marimba, and then there's a drummer. Um, and a saxophonist. I yeah, that bummed me out it's a lot. A good space but... work instrument. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I kind of get it, but it's you know, it's still a bummer when so much of the other stuff was done, <laughs> taking so much heart was put into it. Um, it. It was one of the things like looking back on this plot that was sort of interesting, but now I just sort of thought of was when we first are introduced to Ginny and Lorraine as roommates. They're very much opposite worlds, right? Like. Lorraine is, we come to find out she is a single mom uh, who's been separated by from her spouse and is enjoying this cruise as a single woman and trying to get the most of it while Ginny is seeking partnership. And really, Lorraine opens up Ginny's eyes to the idea like, hey, you can still have a family. You can still mm-hmm. have love. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be married to said person. Um and for this storyline, when we return to shore, when um, Ronald has done an about face and said, like, let's get married, he's in, what a tux. Um, yeah. <laughs> this tux, I have seen this tux before. This tux was the same tux that my dad wore at his first marriage, and I will forever hold that on him because <laughs> what a beaut. That powder blue. Yeah. You I love it so much. You've never seen a bigger lapel. Oh, I loved it so much. But, like, it was, I love that scene. It was just... This really, you could tell that the characters were having so much fun of like, mm-hmm. hey, like, yeah, we're going to live together still, but like, I can be an independent woman and screw yeah. off. Like, yeah, I don't need to be married or tied down to love you. The thing about it, too, Aaron Spilling, I know maybe later on in life, we I don't think of him as like a woke king or like a very cool person necessarily. But if you think about at the time, 1977, to have a pilot where there's two black characters and not just black characters but like black icons 
like Brenda Sykes, even though she's sort of not the most famous actress at this time, was married to like Gil Scott Heron. It's like a yeah. very like black mm-hmm. woman and like and Jimmy Walker, obviously from Good Times and everything. And to have a whole like cool arc where they're like, you know, being funny and doing this like basic stuff and not really discussing the fact that they're black. Like Suzanne Summers doesn't even take a beat when Brenda yeah. Sykes walks in. Not at there's, all. Like, there's no racist anything happening in any part of this show. Like it's, the whole yeah. season. And it's cool that they just like, yeah, that's just what I, it is. I don't even think there could be a show done today where someone wouldn't take a beat. And like, I say that sort of like, you know, just being brutally honest, like it was so refreshing of just like, oh, cool. We're roommates. Awesome. Like, let's talk about how I'm going to have a lot of sex in this room and like stay out while I'm doing it. That was a beautiful thing, too. Yeah. We joke on this podcast a lot about like, oh, it's like progressive for the time and like really just like scraping the bottom of the barrel to do the bare minimum. But this is a case where I, I do feel like you have a like a sexually liberated progressive woman in mm-hmm. Lorraine who like can make crash jokes about having four Tom Collins, three Jack Daniels and a Paco Martinez, but also can have ideas about like what marriage is and like what relationships are and like not mm-hmm. defining yourself by labels and like offers actually sound advice to Ginny and Ronald um there's definitely yeah yeah i mean yeah i I don't know where we're going at now well Uh, no i mean this is something i i had a lot of notes about on on my side too because they seemed and i think we can honestly probably blame uh the 80s into early 90s about this but there's a significantly more liberal view on hookup culture and sex in this show than there was like even in the early 90s oh yeah we we really saw a lot i mean sandy uh, poses for a knockoff version of Playboy. Ginny, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Ginny uh, recommends a potential open relationship at the at the end of the show with mm-hmm. uh, with Jimmy Walker. Um, I thought that was I thought that was pretty like unique. Her roommate Lorraine uh, is a single mother who's out dating while the while her grandmother's watching the kids or her mother's watching the kids like there's definitely a there's definitely a significantly more liberal view of sex and relationships in in this particular uh show than i would have expected i would well, not you think have even how taboo would, be. would have been to be like a single divorced woman just like trying to live your life like 20 yeah. years ago on tv and you look at the impact of showrunners like you know a norman lear or an aaron spelling like yes we could talk about how they did these things with writers rooms of all white men but like they still put these types of characters and these relationships on tv and they Mm -hmm. introduced you know a massive american audience to people that weren't just cookie cutter suburbanites who were you know buttoned up they introduced you to what america looked like yeah like it this one of the things that I like to do is when I'm looking at characters, especially in an episode like this, if all of the characters were white, the episode wouldn't have changed, right? Like, would Jimmy Walker's character be a little bit more off-putting? Probably. But yeah. like as a whole, like it'd there's Danny, no men. It'd be Danny DeVito, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh that's a very good point. Yeah. yeah. But if it like, wasn't Jimmy Walker chasing her, it would be Andy Kaufman chasing her. Like yeah. he would have found someone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's as, like, as a whole, like it is super impressive for like it's Rich, you said it. We like give credit to shows doing the bare minimum, but like in the 70s doing this, bravo. And like, let's talk about one of the more risque storylines of the Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about the bear minimum <laughs> hey, hey. hey uh, 
Yeah, so, this is this is so interesting. I would have never expect them. I would have never expected them to go for this in a pilot. This yeah, is like very first. I mean, people have probably already watched the Love Boat movies and stuff like that, like the made-for-TV movies. But um, to come out of the gate swinging with this plot line is very fascinating. Well, uh, sorry, Jeff, uh, you were about to give the synopsis. No, it it's just such an interesting one because we meet Sandy played by Meredith Baxter, whom you might know from Family Ties. Um, And Sandy goes up to Julie, our cruise director, and is just like, hey, um, do you sell Kitten Magazine on this cruise ship? Um, Now, like, the idea of buying a magazine on a cruise ship is sort of wild to me, but, like, at the same time, I get it. It was the 70s. I don't know wait, what wait, I was wait. expecting them to do. Wait, wait, wait. Do you mean just the idea of buying a magazine on a cruise yeah, ship yeah, or yeah. buying a dead. porno magazine on a cruise ship? Buying, buying a porno magazine on a cruise ship where there are children around <laughs> is deplorable uh, in so many senses of the word. No, it's not. There's children at 7-Eleven, too. <laughs> okay, because I was just picturing you, Jeff, in like the newsstand on vacation, being like, "Ugh, like Time Magazine, Ugh, get this away from me." <laughs> but it, better homes and gardens. She, there's sort of this reference of like, "Hey, I posed for a photo. Can you help me out?" Like as a whole, um, and Julie is seems like the best like employee ever. She's like, "I'm gonna see what I can do about it." Um, we've flash forward a little bit in time julie's able to get like a lot of a lot of magazines like a concerning amount of magazines <laughs> all these cutscenes of her stealing centerfolds are very funny to yeah me. i did want to talk about like i sort of feel whatever they put meredith baxter in was like a little bit concerning in that one scene where she just walks into the room and meredith baxter's like basically like on the verge of being in like lingerie or nude um, with her fiance nowhere in sight. Um, did you think that the fiance had to be a congressman in order for this storyline to have any like depth or weight? I think yeah. so because it was like it was it was like uh, opposition research, right? It was like added stakes to the fact that she was. If this is the guy, it's like oh, it's just the guy's insecurities that would be a problem. But it's like oh, that'll affect the campaign and like you know. I won't be able to, you know, yeah, win this. Je- it has higher stakes by potentially jeopardizing his career. I think yeah, that would probably totally. be the. But Did also, you- like, even still, uh, no matter if he saw it or not, uh, that's still a, I would imagine, nationally like publicized or or published and shipped uh magazine actually and rich i did would find it anyways rich yeah. i did some research kitten magazine is only produced for princess uh cruise lines <laughs> yeah, so, yeah yeah wow they got their you, own porno yeah, bags yeah you yeah. Have, yeah, screw the go screw the go-karts yeah i know zach was super excited to tell you but i had to break the news yeah. to you that the cruise industry is gigantic they have their own <laughs> line of magazines yeah. as well Prince actually not dead out there. It's weird. If you go out there, there's a whole bunch of whole, everyone's reading the Atlantic, just like gobbling it up. And on the Pacific, how ironic! Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, for when you're on naughty coal time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, All right, everybody gets one. Yeah, you're done here. No, but, the uh, this was the one actually in terms of like true like. You would never see a fella. It was crazy that he was reading just on the Lido deck. Like the fact yeah. that he was reading on the pool deck, like that's obviously something that is frowned upon and was in the seventies. If you're on a cruise ship, you couldn't just read porno mags out in the but, open. So Max, I do want to go back to what you were discussing. We find out from Julie there are three magazines 
that she was not able to get. And we watched Sandy destroy three magazines. The first two were entirely just a delight as far as how comical they were. But the third one was a little bit more touching, um, I would say. Like, what did you guys think about watching Sandy's journey of trying to make sure there was no evidence on this boat? I I love the progression of Julie's hijinks to, or like to Sandy's like steal these magazines. Uh, We go from just ripping the first one out of a magazine, like while a guy's sitting by the pool reading it, fairly low stakes. The second one is maybe one of the most like only in the 70s sentences, which is using a lit cigarette to torch a porno (laughs) magazine being read in public. Uh, You can't do none of those things no more. Yeah. Yeah. On a boat. <laughs> not not that, since that, Giuliani cleaned up the boats. Yeah, yeah. That that actually truly freaked me out because I fire is the most dangerous thing on a ship. And when I saw her doing that, I'm like, what do you what I my my like hairs on the back of my neck stood up. <laughs> I flipped out. In my time in my time on ships, smoking got banned like in your cabin, like while Obama was president. Because <laughs> I was on ships when that happened. Like I could when I started ships, I could smoke in my bed laying down. Just Whoa. in my cabin. Like no one gave a shit back in the day. I and feel then like now it's yeah. I feel like such a moron because I'm like, oh, why is it dangerous? You're surrounded by water. That seems yeah, like you're the surrounded least by water. Thing. The you, most yeah. dangerous thing is a tsunami. Yeah. Um, but- well, Jeff, I've learned a lot about how boats work in the last thirty minutes. As our boat expert. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, um, but we do get to that third one, which is our our real, I guess big pilot scene introduction to uh, Dr. Adam Bricker, who Mm. goes by Doc for this series. And uh, turns out he's got an old copy of Kitten hiding in his stash. Yeah, Yeah, as any good doctor would. We we learn a lot about Doc throughout this pilot in the multiple storylines. He's had four different wives. Um, He likes his girls and his mistresses bigger as well. Uh, when the captain was talking about how his mistress was the sea. Um, but through all of this, Doc gives a very nice, like, encouraging statement to Sandy being like, hey, there's no shame in your history and your past. Like, if someone really loves you, they love you for you. Yeah. Like, come clean. It was like, was not expecting it from I'm such this a huge character. fan of the anti-slut shaming uh, yeah. uh, message of this show on so many different fronts. I, I absolutely love this scene. It's so touching. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I honestly wouldn't have had that character butt into that relationship as much as he did because he was like, well, how's he ever going to trust you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. so that was like, you know, she can come clean on her own terms, but whoa. Uh I just I thought it was very very touching. I wanted to see more of that character. I hope I haven't seen any other episodes of the show. I hope that character sticks around for a while. Oh, he's there till the end. I oh, appreciate any time a doctor like prescribes something in medical terms Max, I was to try just about and relate to, say. to a person. I was just diagnoses uh, Sandy with a acute embarrassment from overexposure. It's like, hey, you know, so you know he's a doctor. <laughs> That's another really good cheesy seventies joke. I have it. I have this in a list of cheesy joke alerts in, in my notes from this episode. <laughs> yeah, but Classic. like the storyline ends in this very sweet way of. Sandy comes clean to her congressman fiance. And he's like, he says something that I was not expecting. Well, I was fully expecting him to be like, 
screw off. But like, I didn't give the show enough credit, like very much open to I'm marrying the most beautiful woman in the world. Like I, anyone would be lucky to marry the cover model of kitten basically mm-hmm. like, Hey, cheers to you. Like if only we lived in a world that was like that now where you yeah. uh, as a whole, well, there, there was that one, uh, it, it was like a presidential candidate or like a really high, uh, like a high level Senator who had his campaign ruined in like the early nineties because someone caught him having an affair with his wife, but it was like, or, uh, it was like an open marriage or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it ruined him. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like, was like a sea change of politics and like how politics is covered from now on or from, from that point. I don't think that would have ended his, his career, honestly. Like, I mean, once things got more conservative and, and like the paparazzi of it all kind of played more into how people run political campaigns that, that did make a huge change. But I guess, I mean, I guess at this point it wouldn't have done anything. The stakes weren't as high. There was like, you know, Southern Democrats or whatever and like conservative Republic or liberal Republicans at the time. And like Mm -hmm. Gerald Ford had just like pardoned Nixon or whatever. Like there was like less heat on the fire at the time. And then the fact that they got Shelley Novak, former San Diego Charger, to play this congressman who's like a stud also. (laughs) The stone cold stud, you know, with like the hair out of the chest and stuff. Like he's a cool, he seems like he's like trying to be like a young, like a Gavin Newsom type politician or something where he's like, I'm like hip and like, you know, sexy. He's like a zaddy, you know, he's like one of those kinds of politicians. He's got my 70s quaff. Yeah. (laughs) Um, This is crazy. I, I I just looked up Shelly Novak. He died almost immediately after they aired this episode. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah, wild. I wonder what happened. Tragic let's, fellow. let's pause the podcast while I go look into <laughs> let's this. Do some, let's do <laughs> moment of silence for Shelly Novak, former uh, L.A. City College football star and San Diego Charger and uh, oh. Zaddy Congressman on the pilot. <laughs> but one of the That's things famous role. that this show does is... As we were introduced to all the different storylines when the show started, uh, as everyone boards the ship, we are almost... One thing, I will have one complaint about this show. This show felt like it had 10 different endings, and I was expecting it to end at the 38-minute mark, the 42-minute mark, and then it finally ended at the 49-minute mark. But at the 49-minute mark, I'm sort of happy it ended as it did because it put a nice bow on it of like if this was one episode of television uh that cost a million dollars to build a set it ended in a nice way of each of these storylines was done we know that the crew is getting ready for that next ship uh ship of people um zach is furiously cleaning something in the hour and a half of time that he has um and that is really our pilot as a whole um were there any things that we didn't cover that were things that you loved about this pilot i loved a lot of it that i'm just gonna say at the very end there when he said i wanted to command ships more than i wanted to make you happy fucking burst into tears fucking lost that was fucking lost it i fucking lost it just not you know i've never related to a character on screen more in my entire life uh the fact that they have like I think we touched on a little bit with like the race stuff of just like no one really talks about how everyone is just everyone's just so friendly out of the gate. Like even though the whole roommate stranger thing that was gone pretty much around this time in cruise ships, there was used to be first class, second class. If you've ever seen the movie Titanic, there's like different mm-hmm. classes and all that. And if you were in second class, I have a child. Like, yeah, you would like <laughs> share. Yeah. If you're a woman or children or whatever, like you would share rooms um, if you were in second class and then like first. So that was like a common thing where you could get like a deal where there would be 
uh, double occupancy. Like I think it was mid '80s they started to do away with those kinds of things, like those mm-hmm. kinds of cruises where you could just because a lot of people like to just you you Be mentioned it in the lounge, yeah, like the lounge scene where you're like it feels like a swinger vibe. That's kind of cruise ships. Like even that's like what these older people from Florida like about it is they go on there and like everyone gets to put a suit on or a dress mm. and like feel some like class to it. And it's constantly changed. Like obviously in the last like 10 years, if you look around on the ship, the ship is kind of gorgeous. Like the way it looks compared to mm-hmm. what ended up happening. Cause sometime around the nineties, uh, Mickey Erickson, the CEO of Carnival, which basically owns every cruise line, went to Vegas and was like, just give me all these carpets. You know what I mean? Like he was just immediately like, let's just like <laughs> trash all this up. And now I'll cruise ships kind of, yeah, they kind of feel like cheap casinos, a lot of them, or they did at least. It's kind of changing back now in a cyclical way. But at this time, this is like the perfect encapsulation of that classy style of cruising that I think a lot of like older people find luxurious about it like so many people grew up with this idea of cruising and i think it really helped the industry through the 70s and 80s until all these people became you know um (laughs) uh went to the the capital on january 6th the river and now they just kind of cruise like (laughs) you know like they're just angry about wearing masks on a ship or whatever but at the time like yeah yeah exactly yeah (laughs) but it gave me like a sense like i said it like i haven't been on a ship for a few months now, but I, I like wanted to like call my boss and be like, "Is there, let me just go out for like a week after I watch this. I was like, this is well, maybe cool. nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think of these boats as having this like real timeless elegance. And even ones I went on, like you have, you have formal nights and there's the whole dance of like maitre d's and captain servers and things like that. And mm-hmm. there is a degree of formality that you really only get at like an ultra elite level restaurant on land, but like on sea, everyone gets to take part in that dance. Yeah. Um, we've touched on this with a few of the stories, but we have to just highlight the insane guest power, uh, particularly from within ABC's own hits at this time in this pilot Uh, I mean, obviously, Meredith Baxter, who was in Aaron Spelling's hit at this time, Family. She's going to play the mom in Family Ties after this and get five Emmy nominations. Uh, Bonnie Franklin, who plays Stacey Skogstad, uh, was one of the stars of One Day at a Time from Norman Lear. She's an Emmy and a Tony nominee. Suzanne Summers, uh, coming off of season one uh, with Three's Company, playing Chrissy. She's going to be a huge star of the late 70s. Jimmy Walker, obviously with good times, uh, Dino Might being one of the most iconic catchphrases. And then, yeah, Shelly Novak, too, uh, one of the stars of Most Wanted, also on ABC. Unfortunately, he does die of a drug overdose a few months after this episode aired, or uh, a heart attack. Um, apparently, he had substance issues during the filming of Most Wanted. But I couldn't think of another show in modern time that utilized star power in the same way the closest i could come to was maybe 30 rock where Mm -hmm. there was just this barrage of a-list guests who popped up it's like oh all of a sudden like here's uh isabella rossellini here's john ham like here's all these huge names uh but i don't think anyone did it with the frequency of love bow and that's why it has this enduring legacy yeah well, i think at this particular moment and i thought about a, a lot about this too like while we were talking while i was watching the episode while i was doing some research um it really that around this time they came up with something absolutely brilliant where they would have uh the show be centered around a destination and any guest for any reason could show up and so I was actually wondering, I was looking up while we were talking, because I, I didn't think to do this before. Um, you know, obviously they have all these ABC stars that you mentioned, Max. But I was wondering if any of them came as their character from their show. 
because I know they opened the door for that for a lot of this. So there's the, they have three different options. They have the ability to be that actor as an anonymous fictional character. They have the ability to be that character from the show that they're that they're made for, or they could just be that actor and person themselves. Like they could just be, oh, we have Jimmy Walker here on the love boat, and not just like some character, not JJ. It's Jimmy Walker. Rich, I was gonna save this for the legacy section. Oh, but there was one amazing crossover that happened between the love boat and a certain show called. Charlie's Angels. Mm. Charlie's Angels did an entire episode based on the love boat. Now, here's the part that I enjoyed. There were characters or actors who were on the love boat who had previously been on Charlie's Angels as different characters (laughs) and were killed off in Charlie's Angels. (laughs) Never mentioned it whatsoever. Um, Specifically, the actress that plays Julie, uh, Lauren Two's. She was on Charlie's Angels and was killed off in the episode she was on. And Jeff, I just this is a this is a not a pirate ship. There's no cannons here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Holy moly! Uh, That's your one, Rich. That's your I, one. I did want to just bring up one thing that I loved that I'm very surprised none of us mentioned. The music on this show slapped like <laughs> it was so good. I was in it. From the beginning, we didn't even get the Love Boat intro that we have all come to know. But, Mm -hmm. like, just, like, there's something about the riffs that they were using. Just, like, even in, like, small scenes, they had, you could hear the bass and the electric guitar. And I was just like, I'm in. Let's go. I bought a trumpet. I was watching it, and then I bought a trumpet. I needed to learn those horn parts. (laughs) But, like. Yeah, Max has been playing Trombone Hero for the last uh, 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) This show, yeah, the music was just amazing, yeah. and yeah. like, I, that's all I have to say. I no, no it's, notes. It's a time honored thing. I I played this song, um, I mean, hundreds of times in my life. Uh, people are really into it, obviously, on the ships. Uh, it's actually a good little samba number. Like, if you want to have a party with a bunch of ladies trying to let their hair down and stuff, like it always, it slaps. It does not not slap. It's a it's a bop uh, for the ages. I had one more thing I totally forgot to mention earlier. Uh, during the centerfold piece of business, the crazy thing, it's kind of a art imitating whatever um, meta thing. So that, that whole plot line actually happened more or less to Suzanne Summers Because in 1970, she posed for Playboy before she was famous as like a struggling actress. No way. And then in 1976, around this time, before this episode, when she started to get big on like Three's Company and all that, it came out that she had done that. So this is sort of a commentary. Whoa. Like, I don't know if Aaron Spelling did it. Um, he had to have done it on purpose because it was already I'm in the sure news. There had to have been she had a, done that. Hey, yeah. so Suzanne, was, are you cool with this? It was kind of like a go fuck yourself. It's like if, if, if Lizzo went on a TV show right now and like, you know, stole a flute. Like, it's like that energy <laughs> of like, it was like a topical thing at the time, I think. Uh, the centerfold uh, storyline, which is wild. It's amazing. Yeah. Friend so, of the pod, uh, flutes. <laughs> yeah, friend of the pod, flutes. Yeah. So... Any wait a minute moments that you had, any things that stuck out to you as odd, or maybe things that we couldn't do nowadays? Yeah. I mean, like I said, that fire is, is a no no. You can't be having fire like that. <laughs> well, I will say you did you did mention that up until as er, as 
late as 2012 or possibly 2016, mm-hmm. you were able to yeah. to smoke on cruise ships. So there was a kind of before and after thing that happened, and it was, uh, I think, in 2011, uh, the Costa Concordia disaster. You guys might be familiar with it. Mm-hmm. So the Concordia cruise ship uh, that that sailed out of Cerro de Vecchia, which is like the port of Ro- it's the San Pedro of Rome, if you will. Uh, the captain was like inebriated and just like kind of a schmutz uh, Italian captain uh, decided to like you know drive the ship in a dangerous way tore through all a bunch of the same thing that happened to Titanic it tore through all of the different watertight sections so that the ship took on too much water thankfully they were like you know close to shore went down long story short like 16 people died musicians a bunch of different people and right after that they just ratcheted it up because after the Titanic happened, Marpole was like instated, which is the first like maritime safety procedure that the world mm-hmm. took on. Cause it was around the time also that like the world started to become a thing, like where they're like, Oh, we're all the country should have laws and stuff together, international law. And that's when they made that where they had like, you have to have as many lifeboats as you have people. <laughs> like you have to yep. have enough space, like those kinds of rules. And when the Concordia happened, they ratcheted up all those rules. So now like the alcohol policy got a lot more stringent the cigarette like the all the safety measures just got ratcheted up so like a lot of people who worked like me before that had an experience of like oh and now i can just be like in my day (laughs) i could like you know smoke pot on the fucking (laughs) i-95 which is like the the big road that that like links the entire ship together like you Mm. could just like smoke like while you're walking around and now that's not a thing that can happen at all and and captains have to always like whoever's the the watch keepers they call them like the people on the bridge can't have any alcohol used to be like you just be smart about it now it's like no you can't have oh, anything wow. to drink, yeah. So that's yeah. a fun fact that happened. I remember I when it happened. I was in I was in Antarctica when it happened. We were down sailing, like trying to do like Antarctica <laughs> voyages, and and my captain was this. Uh, is amazing. They called him the Ice Master, uh, Bjorn Larsen. This is his name, and he brought us all into like a big room, like the majority of the crew who weren't on duty, and we talked about the Concordia a little bit. And he started getting teary eyed. This is probably why I got choked up in this episode. He started getting teary eyed, and he was like, "I would never do that to you." I would never do because the captain famously there's videos you can watch on YouTube of like Captain Scarpetti getting off the ship early when the people are still on board. And it is the captain's job to be the last one to leave the ship if it's sinking. And he's like off early. He's like, all right, we're all evacuated. And they're like, get the fuck back on the ship because there's not people like there's still people on your boat, you know. And our captain was like, I'll never do that to you. I I love you all so much. Don't ever, you know, yada, yada. So it was it was a thing. Well, on that light note, (laughs) (laughs) any other wacky moments? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a different direction, but for all the credit that we gave these characters for being uh, woke kings and queens, there's a lot of cultural appropriation in Mexico that I'd be remiss to not mention. Yeah, that's true. Um, That wasn't great. When Lorraine mentions that Cabo is not the place to go native, I don't know what that means. I don't want <laughs> yeah. to find out what that means, Lorraine. She also uh, said, uh, uh, let, kick him out on his cucaracha, which it was literally <laughs> translated meant oh kick him God. out on his cockroach. Yeah. I've, never such, I've never seen such an egregious lack of understanding of Spanish. <laughs> I mean, that uh, Ronald with the, the sombrero and the knit poncho, he attempts to hitchhike a donkey at one point. Yeah. There's some real appropriation issues. Uh, maybe the 70s didn't have everything figured out, guys. <laughs> no. Oh, that's too bad. Still really well, grow. And any other in, uh, wait-a-minute moments? Otherwise, we do have an in-flight question. Wow, I can't wait to hear what this is. Well, Zach, I think this question is for you. I'm going to try sure. to, you know, do my best uh, in-flight questions. If you are curious, we get these submitted to us. 
via Instagram. You can also give us a call. We have a voicemail box that we'll leave that number at the end. Um, but Zach, how many broads did you sack over your boat career? Oh, good lord! Oh, lordy! Uh, it's a, it's a, you know, uh, the short answer I don't know, but the long answer is is that is that uh, it's it's not polite uh, as a seaman to 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 talk about that kind of stuff uh, in terms of just you know, uh, it's it's part of the lifestyle. It's you know, it's what it is. You can't is. you can't talk about how many uh, yeah. people or how many ladies lured you into the rocks with their siren song. That's right. Yeah, there's a reason <laughs> that metaphor exists, <laughs> and also and also why every brothel is built in a port. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Well, oh god. Ma- Max Rich, do you have answers to that question? <laughs> how many brothels I've, did you get I've when you're on, been that on a boat? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you were having Shirley Temple's Max, I'm a yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a land lover. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks to whomever submitted that uh, question. I appreciated it a lot. Um, (laughs) Moving on, Rich, it's your time. You bet. It's time Uh, for Rich's Game of the Week. So we talked about it a lot on uh, this episode so far of um, celebrity guests. Obviously, that was like the the claim to fame for this show and shows like Fantasy Island and like other destination shows where people just drop in. Um, but I did find a list of 552 names of celebrity guest stars on Love Boat, which is an insane amount of people to try to wrangle. Uh, and I feel so bad for the people who made the show because I can't imagine even half of them were good people to be around all the time. (laughs) So we're playing a little game, uh, called Faker's Dozen, uh, from our good friend JW, um, and essentially, uh, Zach, what we're going to do is I'm going to put out a list of names uh, that are, let's see, how many names do I have here? 544. <laughs> 544 You have names. to find the okay. one that's wrong. Usually a boat only has one starboard. Boo! <laughs> oh I'm, uh, I'm well, sinking I'll, the ship right now. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. <laughs> All right. So I have a list of 13 names. 12 mm-hmm. of these names are actual guest stars on The Love Boat. Mm-hmm. And you each have to pick one that you think was not uh, a guest star on The Love Boat. Now, bear in mind, nearly everyone and their mother, and there have been several mothers uh, who have been guest stars on The Love Boat. But I'm going to put this list here in the chat. I'm going to read it out for everyone else. But I want you guys to pick out which of these names uh, was not a guest star in the Love Boat. So for everyone at home, uh, we have Carol Channing, Courtney Cox, Robert Goulet, Tom Hanks, Hulk Hogan, Clint Eastwood, Lee Majors, Rue McClanahan, Joe Namath, The Village People, all of them, uh, (laughs) Martin Short, Jeffrey Tambor, and Andy Warhol. And I would love to hear uh, which of these uh, is is calling your name, and uh, what do you got for him? I'm just going to say people that I want in addition to be on your list of 500 plus people, Rich. Um, mm. I really want Wilt Chamberlain. I just think that would be great. Big guy on a boat. That sounds awesome. It's always um, funny. It's always funny. It's never also, not funny. He also famously <laughs> told exactly how many people he betted. That was like yeah. a big thing for him. <laughs> he feels like he would fit in perfectly on the boat. Um, I know. That question was really for him. How many people did Will Chamberlain sleep with on a boat? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's only like four hundred. It's a very all right. Deep. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a crack at this. I'm gonna give this the old college try. Um, I I'm gonna say Courtney Cox, and I'm gonna say that because I I know that she was like an unknown actress when she was in the Bruce Springsteen Dancing in the Dark video, and that was like '84. And I don't know how long this show ran, but I feel like she might have just been a little too young. So I'm gonna say Courtney Cox. That's a good. That's a good guess and a good explanation. Yeah, kind of- I. In in the sake of doing a different answer, because as much as Courtney Cox's name stuck out um, as a whole, I am going to say in this instance, I'm so stuck on this. I'm going to say Hulk Hogan, um, because Hulk Hogan really can't act as it is. So I don't know how the producers would be like, yep. You're on the boat. <laughs> Zach, Zach's got a good smile for both of these, so I'm so curious. Yeah, keep watching I'm most laughing because those are my two top choices also. Because I, I just <laughs> timing wise, timing wise, I feel like Courtney Cox might be too young for it, and then also Hulk Hogan. I don't know, like he hit pretty hard in the early mid '80s, but I think like at that time, I don't know, because '87 the show wrapped up. And I feel like that was prime, like late 80s, early 90s when he started doing his movie career and stuff and started acting seriously. I mean, I'm doing hard air quotes here, seriously. But he <laughs> he, um, he might be the kind of person that when he was still in the WWF at the time would have would have made an appearance. So I'm actually going to go with Clint Eastwood. Because Zach, I feel you are like, correct. It is yeah. Oh, I think he took himself too seriously during those like 10 years that the yeah, show was on the air. Yeah, he was the yeah. number one actor in America at this particular juncture. So uh, he yeah. would not have been down to do it. Yeah. I will say I also kind of fucked up because he's the only person that's out of alphabetical order. <laughs> 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 Don't notice uh, patterns. That's Whoops. amazing. Well, Rich, thank you so much for your game of the week. Let's talk a little bit about the legacy of the show because it is wild. Um, there were nine seasons of this show that aired 250 episodes and five separate specials. You love the um, show. As far That's as a lot of celebrity guests. As far as peaking in rankings, the best season as far as numbers was season number five. Um, it peaked at number five uh overall so there you go the more you know um there is a new version of the love boat that just came to air this month it the month Mm. year of our lord 2022 october um are you serious yes a big asterisk it's called the real love boat and it's hosted by jerry o'connell and rebecca romaine and it just premiered this month um it is a dating show uh, on the love boat um, oh. so, so there's that, um, couple of other crossover into how Max and, and Zach know each other. Yeah. So a couple yeah. of other things that I at least found interesting. So the boats that they used for the love boat were only recently decommissioned. They were sold a few different times. Um, I learned a lot about boat decommissions and how most of them happen in India. So, uh, there was a big protest when they were both decommissioned, but basically it was said like it wasn't going to happen. Like they were in terrible shape. If they couldn't have lasted um, seasons one through four of the show, you can find on DVD uh, in 2014, they actually made the original cast of the love boat, the godparents of princess cruises ship regal princess, um, mm-hmm. which is a cute little thing. There were 25 award nominations for the show, including five Emmy noms. It won a People's Choice Award as well as a couple young 
artists awards uh for guest stars that were on the show um got a couple of yaws in there and under their belt yeah. did courtney cox get one of those yaws <laughs> yeah possibly um there was also in the 90s there was a, re- tr- a tr- attempt to revive this show oh, yeah. um it did not do that well you guys so- can also watch that on youtube and it is a friggin train wreck it is if you want to but, see some bad watch this show without a laugh track it's gonna be oh, great <laughs> but with all of that knowing the legacy having watched the show and even just getting a short list of some of the guest stars that were on it i have two questions for everyone on this podcast would you think that this show could be remade and today and would you continue watching this version of the show? This is probably the show that I've had to think the most about these two questions. <laughs> because this show is, it's legendary. It is a phenomenon that to this day endures. The boat itself has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's, it's monolithic. And I wanted to say yes, because I would love to see an anthology where we just keep peppering in celebrities. But I'm going to say it couldn't be made because I just don't think we have the same connection with celebrity. We talked a little bit about this with like uh, the Entourage episode and Mm -hmm. things of that sort. We're so peppered with celebrity now that we don't need to tune in once a week to see our favorite people. I don't think this sort of um, bombastic like one after another celebrity cameo type of show would have the same impact. It might feel hokey. I think people wouldn't be able to see them for the characters. And knowing that, yes, I would continue to watch this version of the show. I would love to go and find some of these episodes of people that I just personally enjoy and see who they played. I don't think I'll ever watch it in order, but I would love to run through this on like Paramount Plus and just find guest stars and click on that for shits and giggles. Absolutely. Rich, what about you? Um, I would agree with you. I think there's also like a nature of what makes a celebrity right now and what makes a celebrity like extremely uh, valuable that would that is so different from how the 70s um, operated in that the 70s was all about exposure and having fun doing variety shows, being present on a TV channel and stuff like that. Right now, I think what really drives home the value of a celebrity is being withholding of your time and only coming out to do like a massive Marvel movie or, and you know, I think the only, the only thing that has bucked that trend for such a long time has been SNL. The only thing that has been like, oh yeah, I'm going to come out of my celebrity hole to, you know, do jokes and have fun and everything. Like it's really just SNL right now. And even that's like, you know, it's just kind of like a mainstay. That's just what people do. Um, so I don't think it could be made right now. And if it did, it wouldn't really have the same allure or fun. Um, a lot of things about celebrity culture would have to change. Um, and I think we have the, the areas of shows that we do have that like encourage some celebrity participation would be like reality competition shows like Masked Singer, um, uh, The Voice, etc. Like the you know, Love Boat it, too. Yeah, <laughs> Love Boat too. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I, I, the the incentive for celebrity is not there anymore, and and I think that would be the biggest detractor from this. And would you keep on watching this? 
God, no. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so sorry. This is just not... It's so wildly uninteresting to me. This is, like, the same... Because I, I love comedy shows and everything, and I tried giving, like, Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In uh, a chance a while ago, and I'm like, none of this makes any sense in outside of 1960s context. So, like, who is this for? Um, so, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna give a hard pass on that one. All right, Captain Zach, bring us to uh, shore. Uh, yes and yes. Uh, I think the <laughs> I think the fact that the show just kind of washes over me now. I agree with you, Richard, that like it is dated. That show I never like guffawed while watching this, but I did like break a tear. <laughs> like I was like, oh, this is like it's effective storytelling. It's like a masterclass in being able to weave stories together that don't intersect and are just kind of like it's like listening to like a classical music or something. It's just it's like humans being smart when I watch it. It's kind of like competency <laughs> porn. Um, in terms of it being remade, I mean, I, I got a bunch of final draft documents that are going to be worthless <laughs> if that's not true. But no, like, I think, I think you're right that celebrity's different. I think if anything could fix that, it would be a Love Boat remake. That is, like, <laughs> truly put guns behind it, get Lauren to produce it, like, get that kind of, like, power. With, imagine if you could actually get, like, real-ass celebrities, have, like, decent comedy writers and actually have it, like, have heart, you know, give it, like, a, um sort of what they did to the Muppet show recently where it's like single camera shaky. There's no laugh track mm -hmm. and then have like, you know, fucking Brian Cox show up <laughs> with like Paula <laughs> Abdul in an episode and just like, you know, figure out race or whatever. Like just do like crazy <laughs> fucking super heightened, super like intense high stakes stuff. Like, you know, bring in the crew from blackish and like have them hang out with the sons of anarchy or whatever. Like just go nuts. <laughs> like I would, I would see watch it. That I mean, episode exactly. <laughs> right. Like, come on. It's possible. Mixture. You just gotta, you just gotta fucking, you know, shoot for the moon. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I love it. It's a weird time capsule. I think it's what a lot of people, when they say like make make, make America great again, I think they're thinking about this show a little bit. And a lot of like old, <laughs> a lot of old like Floridians, like just, this was a huge formative thing. Like the all ballroom dance and stuff because of this show. Um, and it's a yeah i think it's a it can be a good thing if like given the right context are are all these people now jimmy buffett parrot heads like yep. is that is oh, 100 the yeah they're all living yeah. in like the official margaritaville retirement communities they've built in florida yep <laughs> yeah they're all in the villages or on yeah, they're, they're <laughs> yeah. all in the villages shout out to the villages yeah. um friends of the pod everyone who lives in the villages <laughs> um they like so, podcasts because it's like talk radio yeah <laughs> yeah it's like talking so yeah I'll end us um, on, I do think a version of this show could be made. And Zach, you sort of hit on it. But there's one network that loves self-promoting its own shows more than any other network. And that's Netflix. Netflix loves tossing a bone to its other shows. Um, I'm watching Nailed It right now, the Nailed Halloween season. Does. And yeah. every single episode is based off of a different Netflix uh, title or yeah. uh, property with that being said i could see this the budget for this show would be insane i yeah. i just want to i want to be the guy who's financing it holy moly it's nightmare fuel um but as far as what i watch it i think max i have a very similar view to you i would love to just be able to print out a list of the episodes and the actors or actresses or groups of musicians that were in certain episodes and be like i want to watch their storyline for 30 minutes maybe only watch that storyline in all honesty and skip through the episode i think that there's a way to watch the show that still makes it enjoyable and if anything 
You know I now have the Love Boat soundtrack on my Spotify. That is on repeat forever and ever. With all <laughs> of that, hard to get that into like your rap. Working hard to get that. That is on my yacht rock playlist forever more. Um, with all that being said, I would love to be able to tell our audience where we can find all of you, Zach. Where can we find you? Well, you can find me talking about celebrities who aren't really celebrities on The Bachelor Zone, which is a podcast Max uh, takes part in as well as our fantasy supervisor. We are the your home for hard-hitting Bachelor stats and analysis. Uh, the Bachelor being the show on ABC where uh, a number of women compete for the love of a single man or vice versa. A bunch of men compete for the love of a single woman uh, and, mar- and their hand in marriage. Uh, we kind of go at it from like a sports talk radio take, you know, like we, we do it a little bit like Mike and the Mike in the morning where we just break down the strategies and the uh, sort of the ins and outs of competitive dating. We don't we kind of leave all the gossip and whatnot at the door for the most part. Uh, other than that, uh, as I said, I was a musician for many years on these cruise ships and I got to meet a bunch of people. So I wanted to use the power of name dropping and my ability to make a podcast and also the, you know, the world of comedy that I'm in here uh, in L.A., and kind of combine them all together. So I'm like reaching out to my semi-famous friends who play bass and my comedian friends who are funny and good at podcasting. And I'm helping th- I'm using them to do a sort of a sociological study to figure out why all bass players are cool. So it's something I've noticed over the years that in all my travels through all the different continents in the world that a ton of normal people who aren't musicians and people who are musicians have come up to me and been like, it's weird that like all bass players are kind of chill. Like it's a weird thing. It's like a weird thing. It's like why are all you know I'm green lights on the bottom of the of the signs? Like it's a certain thing that you're just like. Have you ever noticed like this kind of thing is, is just out in the world? So I thought I'd dig into that, uh, and it's kind of an excuse to for me to talk to my favorite bass players and also my favorite comedians. So that's called All Bases Are Cool, and both of those shows are on Apple Podcasts. I'm Zach Pike on all social media except Twitter. I'm the real Zach Pike. Cause I got it uh, right when like Shaq got on Twitter, and I thought that's what everyone had to do. <laughs> you had to put the real, <laughs> the real in front of your name. So yeah, but Zach Pike on all social media, and uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, I'll be on if you go on Virgin Voyages, the cruise line that Richard Branson started uh, right yeah. a month before the pandemic started. Uh, <laughs> we have two ships, and there's a comedy show on those ships called It's a Ship Show, and I had a part in uh, all the music for that. So if you want to take that's a cruise. Awesome. So uh, cool. We need it. About half of the ships in the world got decommissioned during COVID because the cruise line industry was basically decimated. So it, if you're comfortable and you don't have pre-existing conditions or whatever and you don't you know, mind hanging out with a bunch of – they're not all drunk Floridians. We're trying to get different people on there. You know, There's all kinds of people who cruise. Go take a cruise. It's fun. It's, uh, it's not as scary as you think. And, uh, you know. It's uh, ridiculous. Awesome. Rich, where can we find you, bud? You're going to find me on the next Virgin Cruise Line trying <laughs> yeah. to not be the only <laughs> trying to be the only non-drunk Floridian. Virgin, we're the only cruise line that has a uh, uh, 18 and over policy, so there are no hey. kids on board. And it's also, we have a resident drag queen, so that kind of knocks out all those uh, that is uh, MAGA hat wearing people we talked about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm so down. <laughs> this is sold and sold. Our, our what I'm sponsor here for. <laughs> for today's episode, Virgin <laughs> Cruise Lines. Literally wearing the name tag. Yep, it's all good. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Instagram at damn that's rich. You can find Max and my comedy on TikTok at Dadwagon Comedy. Uh, you can find me in the infirmary from a limbo-related mishap. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Maxwell Sing. And you can find me trying to figure out if I can purchase a kitten magazine while ashore. 
thanks again for Zach for joining us. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at runjeffrun. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. You can also find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can email us at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to watch out for our Instagram for a sneak preview of some of our upcoming episodes. With the plane landed, the ship to shore, and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, stay great.